afford to be. This is small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away, a song away, a song away. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. My name's Pat Francis. I'm Gary Lucy. <laughs> I'm Matt Belknap. And sitting in with us today... Having fun already. Having fun already. I just didn't know it was a comedy show. <laughs> well, it's... it's um, it's a. It's that's debatable. <laughs> music, yeah, that's music. Their so far, so good. We're comedy writers, but, but we you love, are. But we love music. Yeah. But we love oh, music. That's right. No, I'm up for that. Yeah. So, I'm so, like a bit um, of humor myself. So we, we try to be funny, but that gentleman, uh, I'm, I'm going to call you an English gentleman. Yes. Thank you. You're the second English gentleman we've had in here. We had Michael Debar in here. Oh, really? I know Michael. He was, he was fantastic. He, Michael Despires. Yes. He calls himself. And he, uh, <laughs> and he has set the bar high. Uh, or Desbaris, <laughs> if you will. That's right. <laughs> For, uh, for uh, <laughs> this gentleman, and Matt, you know how many times have I talked about this guest? This is one of your heroes. This is one of my guys. I yeah. love this guy. Thank you very much. Uh, to me, he's had like four careers, yeah. and we're going to talk about those careers, uh, all in music. He wasn't like a, you know, a shoe salesman or something. <laughs> he might but, have done uh, some before. He might. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. John Witt. Thank you very much. Thank you. Awesome. What a thrill. This yeah. Is, uh, yeah, this is very exciting for me. It's a great way to spend Sunday. Yeah. Thank you. yeah, I know, I know. It's uh, I know. You know, it's Sunday's usually just an open-ended. Yeah, of, it's know. it's usually, it's the Lord's Day. <laughs> it's yeah, I've heard that. It's, it's the couch day usually, <laughs> right? And for you to come out, uh, we appreciate it. Well, thank you. It's nice to have the company. I always like to give the fashion report on our guest, John, looking effortlessly cool. Yeah, pinstripe blazer, cool T-shirt. Oh, it's all secondhand jeans. Yves Saint Laurent. Nice, though. Yeah, it's, uh, nice. it's 70s. Sweet, hair, sweet haircut. Oh, well, you know, I just, you know. <laughs> you always wear a jacket. Yeah, I'm English. Uh, when, when, it's, uh, when it's really hot, people turn to me and say, why are you wearing a jacket? And they always say, I'm English. And they've got that knowing look on their face. And they say, oh. And John, you're, you're not, sometimes you're rocking the long hair, and now, now you, you have the short hair right now. A couple now. of weeks ago, I had, my hair was about two feet long, and I just, I suddenly sort of thought, GQ. You know, I just suddenly thought I wanted to be. I, I, there's that thing you get to in a certain age when a well cut suit is really a great thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a nice, great leather jacket with the tailored jeans, or whatever. But I wanted to step it up. I didn't want to look like uh, a reject from. Uh, Kerrang magazine. And, 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 and proof of this is Michael Desbaris also came in uh, looking sharp, looking sharp on Sunday really? morning. He did. How is Michael? Uh, he, he was great. He yeah. was... Uh, One of the nicest guys yeah. in showbiz. And uh, all you have to do is you have to say, oh, good morning, Michael, and then he'll talk. <laughs> no, he's an entertainer. Yeah, he yeah. is. You know, speaking of entertaining, he used to come out... I once saw him at the Marquee Club, and it was in a band mm-hmm. called Silverhead. Yes, yes. And, and in the encore, he would come out completely naked. <laughs> there you go. You know, oh, wow. And nothing was too much for my <laughs> no, I'm not kidding but he's a very nice guy no he was uh, yeah he was great and yeah. uh, and John this is like uh, you know you keep your hair mm. and you keep uh, you keep you stay thin and mm. you're a rock star for life that's why I'll never be a rock star for life <laughs> well I used to weigh about 100 pounds but you know <laughs> th- there was drugs involved okay. <laughs> now I'm pretty much at my fighting weight nice yeah. so are you a, um, are you a citizen of the United States not yet I've got a green card but I've um, decided to go for citizenship okay so okay. that uh, I can 
go back and forth yeah. as much as I like. Because you've been here a long time. You, you were in New York City for a long yeah, time? Yeah, about 18 years. And then what brought you to the West Coast? What, what? Well, I was burning the candle at both ends, to be really truthful. Mm-hmm. I made a record called uh, When You Were Mine, yeah. which was almost like a country record. It was mm-hmm. all about being 17. Mm-hmm. There was three characters in the record that were 17 years old. It was a very complicated record, but it depended more on the acoustic guitar than yeah. the, the electric, even though it was a rock record. But it took a lot out of me. It was, a, it was probably my best album. And uh, there's a song on there called Bluebird Cafe. What? And, I, and I want Willie Nelson to do this song, and I've actually put it out there on the internet that if Willie Nelson does this song, I'm going to kiss Willie Nelson. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Well, you know what? We have we have Bluebird Bluebird Cafe in the hopper. So let's uh, yeah. let's play a little bit of that. Well, this is one of my That'd favorites. Be lovely. Thank you. Says she's 21, but she's just 17. Her apron says Mary, but her real name is Jean. <laughs> it's just the best. Thing. She's working cleaning tables off at the local Dairy Queen, and she's a real thing. Yeah. Young hearts can fly, restless and wild. Though it's a thousand days away She's got the will And she'll find a way To the stage of the Bluebird Cafe Yeah, well, see, beautiful. Uh, John, for me, I mean, I love all your stuff, but uh, the triple shot of Temple Bar, When You Were Mine, and Figure in a Landscape, those are my three favorites. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Yeah. So that's, I think that's my best work. And I get, uh, I, I get frustrated, as I'm sure you probably do as an artist, I get frustrated when, when people haven't heard that stuff. Well, it wasn't directed at being hits, right. although actually... That's not necessarily true. Temple Bar had uh, a song from um, True Romance. True Romance, right, in Dreams. In Dreams. And I went to think about uh, number two on the charts, on the radio charts. And then the How Did I Get By Without You, which was the the moment that had the video. Yeah, that got some play. That got to 18. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that got to 18, the company went out of business. Yes. What was the company? Imago. Imago. So I was kind of crushed. So I got in the Jeep living in New York City, Mm -hmm. and I drove... Uh, I drove to to Florida, okay. and then I drove to New Orleans, and then I drove back up to Ohio, and then into New Jersey, back into New York. But on the way, I, I, I was listening to a lot of country stations and obscure pop stations and religious stations that would sing gospel music. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I started to think, well, if I've gone that far with Temple Bar, which was really autobiographical, the downtown was on there, which was a very yeah. dark song, very honest song. I thought, well, let's give it a whirl and go the whole Monty, you know, give it the six-string acoustic. And I tried to sort of reinvent the sound or the amb- ambience of Blonde on Blonde by, mm. by Dylan. Yeah. And, uh, and it meant a lot. Those two records back to back. But thanks for saying that because a lot of people just see me and see missing you. I know, and that's uh, that's frustrating because I know when uh, you know, you know it, it's frustrating because they go, "Oh, John Waits going to be on the show," and they say, 
I don't know if I know John Wayne. And then I have to say, yeah, missing you. Missing you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. And I go, ooh, I want to punch you in the face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, I'm going to change my name to Tom. When you, <laughs> <laughs> you are. You're, Tom Waits for no one. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you're a bigger man than me because you said, you know, when, they, when the record company folded, you drove, you know, down to Florida and here, and I would have just driven right into a wall. Well, uh, that's why I drove to Florida. Uh, you know, I thought, well, here we go. I'm going to go to the nearest Irish bar and not come out of it for a week. So why don't you get behind the wheel? And that's, what, that's why I did it. I thought, yeah. well, you So know, it was like therapy for you. Yeah. It, it was. It just like Guinness. You know, it was, like, it was either Guinness or the car. Right. right. And I had the car ready to go parked underneath the building. So I just nice. took the elevator down and went to New Orleans. All right. Well, I have, uh, you know, it's funny. You mentioned downtown. So let's play downtown. Uh, cue it up, man. Excellent. As I made my way downtown Yeah, yeah. The lyrics on the three albums that I mentioned it, it paints such a picture for me that when you're singing it, I see these people, I see where you're at, I, and I see the whole thing, and, and I love that. Thank you. It's, it's uh, I, I like literature. I read quite a bit, and I, the written word has always fascinated me, even the way it looks. Yeah, yeah, and the sound hmm. of it. You know, you can you can make words up on the spot to a song, and that they'll fit for some reason. And it's a mystical, magical thing for me. I have no idea what I'm doing. It's a lot of it is just word association, but it all comes out. And as a lyricist, when you write songs, you're not on your computer. You're pad and paper. Oh yeah, it has to look. Um, if you type it out, it's it's just it's like sterile. Di- digi- yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And but if you write it out in longhand. Uh, it looks a certain way, and it sits on the page a certain way. And what I do is just do page one, scribble half it out, write it all out again, making the corrections. Page three, I do it again, getting close to the end. By page four, I've got the whole lyric. Yeah. But uh, I would like to say that Mike Shipley passed away last week. And he, he produced? He produced uh, Temple, Temple Bar, Bar. And he will be sadly missed because yeah. he was really genuinely the best I ever worked with. Yeah, that sound on that album's just Well, he's a notch. phenomenal guy. When I did Missing You with Alison Krauss, he mixed mm. that that duet. And it's the only time in my life when I've looked at the speakers and I could see the bass drum with, like, my third eye. Wow. And I, could, wow. and I could see where Alison was, uh-huh. about a foot in front, and I could see where I was a bit more to the left. Neat. I mean, I've never seen anybody mix like that. Yeah. And he was that brilliant. So he will be missed, and God bless you. I was going to say terrific, but that would have sounded <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, but I know yeah. what you mean. I know what the sentiment is. Yeah, and that, that, was, uh, yeah. that was great. Now, was this, um, was being a singer, was that in the cards 
from the beginning. Is that all you ever wanted to do? No, I wanted to be a cowboy when I was about five. <laughs> that would explain some of the, the, the country uh, well, yeah, I was raised, lyrics. Yeah, no, I was, I was raised on Marty Robbins, the Gunfighter Ballads and Trail Songs album. Mm-hmm. That was huge for me. And just the day glow cover with the guy in black going for yeah. six gun, that was just massive. <laughs> it was all cowboys and Indians. And it was a hop, skip, and a jump straight to rock and roll from yeah. that. But it was all America. Yeah. And uh, from the cowboy songs, it went to Brenda Lee, mm-hmm. which was the kind of pop country. Yeah. Everybody loves me but you. That was, that was, and like true friends, they still come around and say, I'm sorry you're blue. Whoa, oh. Everybody loves me but you. <laughs> it kills me. I got to meet her once, and it was, it was oh, a neat. big deal for me. You know? Wow. Yeah, Brenda Lee. And did she know who you were? Uh, well, I was with Alison. And, oh, okay. And Alison and her are f- very good friends, and I was just sort of like, you know, I mean, she's a really bubbly. She's small. Yeah, you know, she's but tiny. She's tiny, tiny girl, but she, uh, I don't know if she knew who I was or not. I, I just sort of stared at her, shook her hand, and said, it's a pleasure to meet you. But, wow. Uh, <laughs> but it happens a lot in um, in my life. I meet people that I admire quite a lot. Yeah. Pat, did you happen to bring that version of Missing You with Alison Cross? Uh, I do, I do have Would now be a good that. time to? Yeah, now would be, why not? Oh, sure. And this goes out for Mike Shipley. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every time I think of you Catch my breath And I'm still standing here And you're miles away And I'm wondering why you left And there's a storm that's raging Through my frozen heart tonight I hear your name In certain circles And it always makes me smile Spend my time thinking about you, and it's almost driving me wild. And it's my heart that's breaking down this long distance like tonight. That's from 07, I believe? Uh, that's from 2006, I think. 2006. You haven't lost an inch off your voice. And, it's amazing. And uh, <clears throat> whose idea was that collaboration? Me, How does that come apart? I was making a record called Downtown. I, when I went back mm-hmm. to England, uh, I went to the local HMV record store, and they didn't mm-hmm. have one John Waite record. And they hadn't any babies' records. Oh, they had one terrible. bad English record. And I thought, well, if I make a record of greatest hits and just release it in Britain, mm-hmm. maybe I can come back there and play and everybody will remember who I am. Yeah. <laughs> so I made this record. I put his new time on it and I did an acoustic version of When I See You Smile. And it was a, just like a. And I wrote an original song. I covered a Dylan song. But, but when, these were all acoustic versions no, of No, 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 no. They were the full. Full blown, mm-hmm. isn't it? Time as the girls and everything. Now, it's a big record, right? And uh, but when I came to when I see you smile, I thought it'd be very nice to do it acoustically instead of taking all that mm-hmm. big production, right. get rid of it, and just sing the song. It's very sweet. But when I came to missing you, I thought, well, what could you possibly do with missing you that you haven't done before? Because I've done an acoustic version, right, on, a, on an album called The Hard Way, which is very pretty. But I thought, well, you know, I can't just, you know, what am I going to do? So I thought, duet. I always wanted to do a duet. And Alison is my favorite female singer, so I called her up and she said yes. Perfect. Yeah. So um, 
uh, I don't want to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about, but on Downtown Journey of the Heart, those were those weren't the original versions. Though. You re-recorded yeah. all the songs. Okay, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> I even recorded Downtown again. Yes, I just just I hadn't got the masters at that point, mm-hmm. and so I had to re-record. But now I own the masters to Downtown and When You Were Mine and Figuring the Landscape. I got all the masters. Oh yeah, back. and all those are available on your website and on iTunes. Yeah, all those songs. Yeah, um, yeah. Downtown Journey of the Heart has some great tunes on it, including uh, one I want to play. But I want to ask one more question: When you sing a duet of this song. How do you make it original for yourself? How do you not sing it? Cause, Allison. Okay. Because the vocal on the original, Missing You, is so like perfect and iconic. Well, I thought, I thought if she started it, it mm-hmm. would throw people. Yeah. That's a good and, idea. And the musicianship is better mm-hmm. on that version that you've just heard. The drums, that was the best drummer in Nashville. That was cut in a cellar. Yeah. Hmm. The drummer was just this big, big guy and this big, big kit facing into the wall, playing the drums. Like, fuck, fuck, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. And he, he was saying all these things like, yeah, I ain't missing. <laughs> and, uh, but he beat the crap out of the kit. It's so good. And I played the bass. And, um, and we had a, a great guitar player. But Alison, you know, the song became a conversation. It was always meant to be a phone call. Okay. And, uh, it was a, a phone call from a from a motel room, you know, and it and it's a phone call. It's distance, yeah. you know. Now this uh, this is a the, the, missing you. I have I have. Oh, I'm not going to play all these, but uh, this has been covered uh, countless times, and it seems like a lot of country artists like Brooks and Dunn have done it. Yeah. Um, Rod Stewart, Rod Stewart, Tina, Tina Turner. Turner. Yeah. Uh, how does that? Ha- do, you, do they? Do people contact you, or, do, or is it no? Just I don't. Publishing? I don't. You know, after a while, it's it's public domain. You mm-hmm. can do anything you want with it as yeah. long as you've recorded it first. Anybody can jump in and do it. I'm going to record it. You can start it off, and I'll you know. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Do you, do you have a favorite of any of those covers? <laughs> well, I, you know, when I was about twelve, I used to look at the record going round on this tiny little Dancetti mm-hmm. uh, record player that I had in my room, uh, and I think it was Proud Mary with uh, with Ike and Tina Turner, mm-hmm. and I was listening to this elegant African American throwdown sexy thing that I didn't fully quite get because I I had my knowledge of America was still very much. In flashes, right. you know, but I, I, I look at that, remember myself in short pants, listening to, you know, Tina and worshipping this voice. And then you flash forward a complete lifetime and there she, wow. there she, that's, you know. Unreal. Yeah. I mean, that is, and she's African-American and she's the best. Yeah. And, and she's covered my song and sung my lyrics and my melody. And how can you live with yourself? That? <laughs> what a you treat. know, you could get shot and everything's okay. Well, let's hear a little bit of Tina's uh, version of Missing You, since I have it. There's a heart that's breaking down this long distance line tonight. I ain't missing you at all. Now, you mentioned being a big reader. There's a great new book about MTV out. Yes. And there's a story about missing you. Oh, really? Yes. I don't know. <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> this the subject. Is that uh, uh, about the origins? Is this. Uh, there's actually a cha- the chapter. It's chapter 25. It's called. Is it really? Every time I think of you, I always catch my breath. Yeah. Romance and regret with yes. John Waite. Uh, yes, it's true. 
Wow. It's true. Well, uh, you know, Nina Blackwood and I were very close uh, when I was living in New York City. Now, uh, were you friends or did you, did you date? We, we were dating. Okay. You know, but we were, we were, you know, we were very close. I'd split up for my wife. I was living this, this, so, this life of, I was living in a hotel. I was, you know, separated. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the song is really about three different women. One's my ex-wife. One's a girl I met later that mm -hmm. I ended up getting engaged to. Okay. And, and a lot of it is about Nina. So it's an amalgam of different things. Um, I said, uh, you know, I read a lot, but Marcel Proust yeah. in his book, Remembrance of Things Past, yeah. <laughs> nice. which is a big, big book to read, but he says... Marcel, the character in, in the book himself, is a child and he's living in this southern village of outside Paris and, and called Combray. And he thinks about a country girl and he, and he wishes he could see this country girl. And every time he remembers the country girl, he thinks about the river and he thinks about the trees and the grass and, and the bees and the, and the flowers and the, the birds and the whole thing. He can't separate the girl from the environment. It's a brilliant thing to say. Wow. And... Uh, and I realized, somebody asked me this question the other day, and I realized I was writing it about New York City and Nina and Patty and, uh, and my marriage falling apart. And all of those things were uh, in play. They're inseparable. So the song is like, it's a Proustian reverie. Well, like if you want to put it like that. But <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't actually realize that until I was reading the, that written on the page. And then I realized why the song... You recognized your own yeah, process. Yeah, it, it actually identified my thought process. And that's, I, I think that's what always set you apart from the babies onward is there always there always did seem to be something a little bit extra something a little wheels turning up here yeah. just like there was like a vulnerability or yeah. an intelligence I can't I don't really know how to put my finger well, on it I've tried to write about what happened to me yeah. in my life and living in New York City was certainly like kickstarting your life uh, you know that Temple Bar record was written about divorce mm -hmm. and spiritual yearning and, and all sorts of things that were very adult and I was living a very hard fast life it was done as a poet might be sort of scribbling something down on his, on his way to jail. You know, it was like, right, yeah. uh, the, you know, it was, it, was, it was the real world. And I'd come from bad English, which I'd, I'd written some pretty hard stuff for them, uh, with them. They were good writers. But things like Forget Me Not, that was based on the Anne Rice books, the mm. vampire books. Mm -hmm. And it was about coming back into this life and meeting your lover from your previous life again and again and again and again, because you were, that's what, reincarnation is you meet the same people and that was a pretty gripping lyric to write yeah. i think i started to write in this cinematic kind of way there's another song i wrote with ricky called time stood still mm -hmm. and that's almost like a, a hitchcock movie it's right. like about being on the beach and meeting a girl and spending the night on the beach and a fire and this uh, uh, on the beach and the seagulls in the air in the morning and drinking in a small cantina and I started to write short stories and um, it came it just became more evident in my writing after that this is why we look up to artists and admire artists yeah. and because we all have these feelings we've all had heartbreak and things like that but Guys like you can like you know process it and synthesize it and crystallize it into right. like ways that we could all yeah, understand and I, make us feel I, better. I wake up thinking about it all the time. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's all right saying that, but I don't have an off switch. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I walk into the coffee shop next door, I'm like yeah. checking out couples, and I'm thinking yeah. like what the relationship might be. Yeah. 
and people's names and sounds and the written word, like I was talking about. Yeah. It's, um, it's a gift that I, that I value enormously, but I can't separate it from any other kind of life. Yeah. You know, it's, it's who I am. Fantastic. And it's who I am. And uh, when you said you wrote that uh, Time Stood Still with Ricky, that's Ricky Phillips, who yeah, was in Ricky Bad Phillips. English and in The Babies. And Styx. He's now, He's now in Styx. We did, a, we did a gig with Styx a couple of weeks ago, and he, it was great to see him. Yeah, that's cool when it you, was you guys get nicest back. Guy, and, the nicest guy in the world. And what's the line I like from that is you were drinking white wine and I, I was, was doing, doing shots. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. No, it was great because, I mean, it, it was uh, Time Stood Still. Yeah. We, we, you looked at me. I looked at you. No, I looked at you. You looked at me. We threw our watches in the sea. And wow. time stood still. <laughs> Done. Yeah. <laughs> it's not bad, is it? I mean, you know, but I've always liked, I've always, I mean, you know, you, you we're talking about people who can really write lyrics. You know, like talking about Bob Dylan. Yeah. You're talking about, you know, Leonard Cohen, or you can talk about, I mean, I mean, God, there's so, there's so much talent out there. And, and a lot of it's overlooked because it's, in a musical genre, it's like it's like folk music or rock music or whatever it is, but it's it's kind of sneered at, like you know, it's, it's the stepchild of mm-hmm. of great painting or something, right? But it's not. It's the music and it's the heartbeat of our humanity, and it's and it's our dialogue and it's the way we've expressed peace on earth. If John Lennon hadn't written "Give Peace a Chance," there's a strong chance that uh, the war in Vietnam would would have gone on for another year, mm-hmm. and it gave the people in the street. A, a voice in a song to sing outside the White House right. and get on Nixon's nerves so much he had to come out and acknowledge <laughs> the crowd. But all we are saying is give peace a chance. The rest of the song is gobbledygook. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely nonsense. Yeah. He couldn't even be bothered. He didn't want you to understand what he was talking about. He just wanted to get to that chorus. Right. And the war had to stop. American kids wanted the war to stop. And he gave them a voice. I want, that, would, uh, that brings me to... I want to, what do, you, do you consider yourself a singer... First and then a songwriter, or a songwriter and then a singer, or is it just I, all intertwined? I have no idea. I honestly, I don't take myself. I mean, I take the work seriously. Yeah, but I don't know what I'm doing. What, <laughs> what comes easier for you, the songwriting or the singing? Both. Well, I, I, the, the older I get, I'm drawn more to words and, and literature. Yeah, uh, but I, I, I really like. I mean, we, we got a new band. And it's a three-piece band that we have a guitar player called Kerry Kelly, mm-hmm. who's a famous kind of like used to play with Slash, in Slash's Snake Pit and Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have and the and the the uh, rhythm section you have is uh, Tim Hogan and, and Rondo. Rondo. Yeah, it's, and, and it's over the last eight months just become outrageous, and it was so good that I've become a better singer. So when I was probably looking at concentrating more on acoustic things or being my own man and just doing smaller shows I've been brought back almost kicking and screaming into the into the arena of doing bigger gigs because right. it's just so rock and roll and we made this record called Live All Access that came out a month ago and it's the best thing I think I've sung so when you say to me am I a writer or a singer I mean if you could flip a coin I, I truly wouldn't know which if it came up heads or tails would that mean I'm a singer or a writer or I am totally... you both. I have no idea how I do what I do. I did not mean to stymie. <laughs> yes. Stymied is what I am, mate. Kind of just oh, I'm ruined. <laughs> I want to play uh, a song from All Access, but before that, I just want to do a quick... Uh, since we are on Tina Turner, I just want to... When, you, when Missing You went to number one, yeah. you knocked Tina Turner ah. out yeah. of that top spot. She, with, uh, she had What's Love Got to Do With It was yeah. there for three weeks. 
and you came around and I uh, said, bye-bye, Tina. <laughs> no, no, I, I actually saw her in a club in New York. Uh-huh. There was a big party, and she was sitting in the corner, and I knew I was going to be number one. And she'd been number one for two weeks, I think. Yeah. And I walked over and introduced myself and said how much I enjoyed her work and admired her and that, that I was going to be number one next week. And it was bittersweet because I thought she was great. She yeah. was the nicest person in the world. She was so gracious, you know. And that was her big comeback year. That was her big Well, you know, comeback. I saw her the year before that playing yeah. the Ritz, mm-hmm. which is uh, d- down um, downtown. And the Ritz is like a big, funky club. holds about 2,000 people with a balcony. And everything. It's just huge. I've played there myself. And I saw her there. And she must have been doing that gig for five grand. Yeah. And she had a full band and two backup dancers that could mm-hmm. really sing. It was a big production. But she was working for Peanuts. Yeah. You know? But Keith Richards was having um, a martini or two. Wait, whoa, whoa. <laughs> with, is, this, uh, uh, is this a breaking story? Keith yeah, no, it's like something else with, 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 with Jim Marza. It was, it, was, <laughs> it, was it was a big deal in the music business. And Keith said, you know, we've got to do something about Tina in the Russian Tea Room. And that led to, in fact, her getting signed, Jim oh. Mars being involved. And because she was on the scene, you know, she was mm-hmm. playing these gigs. And if you can imagine, you know, coming out and doing Proud Mary with a full Monty and two gorgeous dancing girls yeah. that sing in the back. And she's up there, she's fucking throwing down like you would not believe. <laughs> I mean, the hair is being blown back mm-hmm. as you're watching it. And then 18 months later, bingo. No. Yeah, I saw her. She opened for uh, Lionel Richie, and that was. That's, that sac- yeah, I mean, that's sacrilege. I know. And then, <laughs> but she's that's called sacrilege. She's an artist, though. When she had that comeback, there wasn't anyone that didn't go, uh, she doesn't deserve it. It was no. packed. <laughs> yeah. It was packed. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I mean, New York is a funny town. It's like Vegas. Mm-hmm. There are so many acts playing, and there's so many choices of things to do that nobody ever really sells out. Yeah. It's full, but it's never sold out. But there's right. a line around the block to get in to see Tina. Yeah, that's amazing. And she was right on the cusp of, of like, mm-hmm doing this to the world, you know <laughs> and everybody knew it and wished her the best it was a great story and uh, when when uh, when missing you went number one also uh, that was uh, th- the chart was jammed then I mean it was uh, you know whether you like it or not Mad- Madonna was up there yeah. uh, Van Halen yeah. Prince yeah. Springsteen I mean it was like to, g- to even get in there yeah. was quite a feat so, yeah absolutely it was, yeah. it was a very tough top ten but uh, which brings us, you say you talked about All Access, the new live album. So let's hear, uh, let's hear Head First, and you'll hear this band rip it up. Nice. Yeah. Let's talk about these. these. Can I can I wax on about? Yeah, the you can go. Oh go my on. god, because that was just about the time I was starting to discover music on my own. From right. you know, that wasn't my parents. You know, it's like yeah, started the Beatles and then like oh Kiss and then like and I then always say that. where do I go from here? I, I always say there's a second kind of uh, realization of what you love. Yeah, there's one as a kid and then there's one you have when you're about sixteen and yeah. fifteen and it's, it's on, on your own. Yeah, and that and 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 for me it was the babies and and it was oh, thank just you. they had they, you guys look so cool. You had the cool. You had the, it was kind of glammy, kind of bluesy, kind of poppy, and it was just like they didn't know how to spell. Didn't know how to spell <laughs> yeah, that that's name true. wrong. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to do a, a little feature that we do here sometimes called uh, Law and Order Copycat Division. Okay, that, and uh, John could be the guest judge on this one. Alrighty, since we're on the 
subject. Oh, there's the noise of it. Sorry. Can you play that theme again? I like that. Okay. That's from uh, Law and Order. Law and Order. Law and Order. Yeah. yeah. I like that. I watched that show. So this is. Uh, <laughs> Do that again. <laughs> so what we can do is the sound of the cuffs going on yeah. <laughs> door slamming yeah we're gonna play a song uh, that's not like a, a new a new song and then uh, we're gonna play a song that sounds very similar to it that maybe inspired the new song alright oh, let's yeah, hear well, it that, so, yeah. so first let's hear this is a, a group called Temples and let's see if this opening riff sounds familiar okay. <laughs> oh my god okay that's exhibit A now let's uh, give us a little midnight rendezvous. Come on! Wow! <laughs> wow! So where does the where does the other piece of music go to after that? Oh, it it, it goes to a completely different place, it? but yeah, oh, okay. and it's it's a cool thing. The first time that I saw you, <laughs> baby, I was really moved. <laughs> Yeah. It's like a mashup. Yeah, it's like, it's like a mashup. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a riff. I think that's kind of case closed. Yeah. yeah. Ding, ding. There's a lot of that. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. There's a lot of that in country these days. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can... case, <laughs> yes. closed. case closed. <laughs> Let's not even go there. <laughs> okay. So, hey, uh, speaking of country, could we uh, touch on love and theft? Uh, let me see if I have. I do. Uh, I know what song you're talking about, but uh, you're talking about uh, if you ever get lonely. Yeah, Love and Theft uh, had a number one single. Ooh. They're two young guys, country guys. They work seven days a week. They work round the clock. They're, they had a number one single with a thing called Angel Eyes, mm-hmm. and they've cut one of my songs that I wrote with uh, uh, Kyle Cook for Matchbox Twenty, and some people in Nashville. And it's their new single, and it's just. That far from going on the on the countdown, so I can play your version and we can drop in their version later. Why don't we second? We could segue them together. Ah. <laughs> I could, you know, could be country Johnny for. <laughs> Let's hear a little bit of John and then. Is it, if you ever get lonely, if you ever get lonely, Here we go. I'd love to see you. If you're ever out this way, you sound happy. Guess things are working out okay And I'm getting better At putting one foot In front of the other And I know that California's not to blame And I know there's millions of people in LA But if you ever get lonely If you miss Then I'll do something like uh, Love and Theft, covering John Love Waite there. Th- nice. <laughs> Once we drop that in. Yeah. It'll be like perfect. that. will be perfect. Uh, yeah, that's... Well, uh, that was my version. No, but, that was, but see, we're going to drop like, yours in. We're like, uh, going I mean, I love that song. That's, that's beautiful. Well, this is, this is the type of thing I'm talking about. Like, radio is not what it used to be, because when I, when I got the Rough and Tumble album, and, and you know, I love the whole album, but when I heard that song, I'm like, see, now that's a song. So that was going to be the single, but they released Rough and Tumble. And Rough and Tumble, because we were touring so hard, yeah. went to number one on classic rock right. in America. But we were playing small, tiny clubs just to get into the town to do the clear 
Channel Station, mm -hmm. and then get breakfast, then go and do Fox TV. Mm -hmm. So we got to every radio station and every Fox station that would take us. Right. So we got bazillions of spins, right? And we went to number one. But it's not the song that should have been number one. Yeah. And then the record company sort of went out of business, and I bought the record back. <laughs> this, this seems, this seems, there's a pattern here with this record company going out of business. And yeah, I know. I mean, it's like Jonah. You know, I just say, yeah. I put my name on the paper, and it's, they, they, they ex the building explodes. You know? <laughs> but I managed to buy back. Alison Krauss actually uh, rang up Doug Morris. And, uh, uh, and who's Doug Morris? Uh, Universal. Okay. And got me back as a gift. Hmm. Wow. The When You Were Mine album. Oh, nice. Because she knew that it was my favorite record. And uh, how nice is that? That's great. And you added a couple of bonus tracks to that, and it's, yeah. uh, and it's uh, yeah. on your website and on iTunes. Um, yeah, it's, it's it, like a John Waite album, like the, the No Breaks album that Missing You's on. Um, I'm sure a lot of people went out and bought the album because of Missing You, of course. But that album's a, a rockin' hard album. It's a, you know, I mean, that's what's so important about the new album, All Access, is that it's all rock. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> that, uh, on rock solid. Because uh, it's a rocky kind of thing. Uh, rocky 3. <laughs> here's a, here, here's Top a, that. Here's a song I want to ask you about, John. This is the song that I've always uh, wanted to ask you about. Yes. Uh, play this, Matt, and then John will comment on, on what the what the hell this is <laughs> <laughs> You think you're? That's, I think that's the best. <laughs> is that is now is that you solo or is that the babies? No, it's the babies. Okay, we were we were like uh, we did that at, at Sound City. Oh yeah, with the oh, movies oh, about nice. you know, and yeah. Keith Olsen produced it. We were offered like um, I don't know what we got, but we all got something like three hundred dollars each. <laughs> we, we were so broke, and somebody said, "Do you want to sing a Dogs Pepper commercial?" We yes, like, yeah, Def. And then, so how much? Anyway, like you know, you all get like three hundred. Yes, <laughs> try and stop me, but I think it rocks. So, no, it is. I, I love it. Do you I, know I, something? I, the Rolling Stones mm -hmm. once did a Rice Krispies. That's true. I've heard that. Oh, yeah, I, I got to bring that, that up. Next yeah. Week. yeah, I mean, you should check that out. And cheap, cheap trick. A Pepsi commercial. Mm -hmm. so. oh, no, I mean, uh, it's no shame. it's funny, but Dr Pepper. I mean, yeah. you gotta, that's really going some. That's going, that's going to, the, to the edge, my friend. Are you a Pepper? <laughs> In 1980, for $350, I yes, was a pepper. Was. Uh, only, only, only the one time though. We're, we're the last two. We're the last two babies albums. <laughs> were both produced by Keith Olsen. Yes, they we're, were. I, here's my question about these: because one was released in January of '80, and the other one was released in October of '80. Were those albums recorded at the same time? No. They weren't. Where did you find? Where was the um, time to I don't fit know. this in? Uh, we we come back from the head first tour, and we were really exhausted. And we'd had every time I think you be number one on AM. Yeah, he had AM and FM. Right, mm -hmm. and head first was number one on FM. You could not go out of the door without hearing one or the other. We had America stitched up. Yeah, we were opening thing. for Alice Cooper and Journey and really huge bands yeah. and blowing them off the stage. I mean, sorry, lads, but we did. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were that good live. We were really good live. And we came home and there was no gold record. They, they didn't even bother putting it in the shops. Oh, no, so no. half the band was suicidal and the other <laughs> half found an Irish pub. <laughs> and we got through it somehow, but we had to start work almost immediately on a new record and, and 
and everybody was like they were peppers yeah <laughs> Let's, uh, how, it explains a great deal about what happened totally to peppers yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but we're all peppers too right? yeah, no, absolutely. Sure. The, the babies albums the five babies albums and your first uh, solo album they're all on chrysalis records and i just feel like the chrysalis didn't work hard enough oh for man you, guys. you have no idea yeah just, i mean i mean to get that amount of airplay yeah. even on union jacks we had back on my feet again mm-hmm. which was like top 10 or whatever mm-hmm. it was i mean we couldn't we were the sort of people's band. Yeah. We'd go out and the play, and I'd jump in the audience in the first song. I'd just like, I, it, was, it was just like punk, but it was rock. And it was, we're that age, you know, we're just that exact right age to be at that point in America. And we were the underdogs. For all the big promotion that had gone on in the first two years, you know, the, the, the company had dropped the ball. Yeah. And we didn't. I mean, and it seemed to make us hipper. And you worked with you worked with Bob Ezrin and Ron Nevison and then Keith Olson. Yeah, I mean, and then Neil Gerardo, Pat Benatar's husband, yeah, yeah. Uh, produced your first solo album. I mean, you have all these big producers and you're on a, a major label, and it's just crazy how that well, how that happens. You guys did everything right, but yeah, it was just like yeah. I don't know. Well, they sometimes the, you can't win for losing. Yeah. I don't know if it's I don't know if it was meant to be like mm-hmm. the the price of an education, as Keith Richards calls it. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I learned the ropes and I learned, mm-hmm. and then you know. You get to be number one the following year after you leave Chrysler's, and it really starts. You know, I mean, when, once you're number one, everybody's coming at you. When you're in a band, you can at least dodge a few punches. And then, but does part of you go, uh, take that Chrysler's? <laughs> oh yeah. But do you think those guys? No, are like- they re-released stuff. The, the re-release change at that point tried to compete with Missing and we sued them and stopped them because it was on the Vision Quest soundtrack. Yeah, too. they sold it to, to you know. They they must have made millions out of me. That's the uh, that's the first time I, I I saw John Waite was in the uh, the Change video on MTV, yeah. and yeah. a friend of mine, uh, Jim Schultz, was a big Babies fan, but I didn't I didn't know I, I knew the Babies, but I didn't know that you were the voice of the Babies, and he's like, well, that's the guy from the Babies, and I was like, give me all those albums. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> oh, that's great. But let's hear uh, let's hear Change, yes. and I still love this video. This is a cool little, yeah. uh, not expensive to do this video, I don't think. It looked oh, pretty. I, I don't know. You don't know. People talking. That's undeniable. Saying that you're leaving. The live version's pretty good. So unhappy. With the way that you've been living. Uh, that's just see when, when classic rock radio and I uh-huh. turn on classic rock radio and they play the same twelve songs. Yeah. I don't know why they're not filtering this stuff it was in a hit. there. It's not unusual. Now you mentioned punk rock. What was your what was the the babies? Were you guys in with the, with that crowd a little bit or? Well, uh, no, we were there. Mm-hmm. But we were still what we. I mean, like Led Zeppelin were almost out of business. The Stones were being laughed at. Mm-hmm. There was something that happened in London that was indefinable, and the kids just took over again. Yeah. And the, the Sex Pistols. Yeah. I mean, I've got to know Steve Jones over yeah. the years. Yeah. He's a nice guy. He's on Santa Monica too, right? Isn't he? I, think? I don't yeah. know where uh, he lives. I've done his yeah. show, but he really is a nice guy. But yeah. the Sex Pistols record really affected me. I thought it was well done. Mm-hmm. I thought John Lydon. I see him around Center. He lives in Venice. Oh, right. With, with Rambo, his sidekick. <laughs> and uh, 
it's just great, you know. The energy. I am yeah. an anarchist, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just, this is really just well done. But the, uh, the Union Jacks album had a rock opera kind of thing mm -hmm. about what that was about oh, in yeah. London. That was all about the punk movement or mm -hmm. what it was like to go up against the establishment in Britain. You know, the, the, the skills of justice tip in the favor mm -hmm. of the government mm -hmm. under mm -hmm. this flag we're all Union Jacks. Yeah. Was, that was quite good too, really. Yeah, yeah. The, um, yeah Union <clears throat> I don't Jacks know where it all great. comes from, but I mean, it, it was, it, but, but yeah, punk was, I mean, it was, American was more new wave, but with punk yeah. overtones, but in England, it was really deadly serious. That's what I love about you, John, is you have, um, you're not like you're not you know stuck up or you have a well placed yes, I am. you have a well placed <laughs> ego. Who are you? What, what but the you, fuck are you looking at me? You're not. You're hey, not, you! <laughs> you're not falsely modest either. You. you have well, the, I, uh, it's that kind of modesty. What's wrong with that? <laughs> you have the ability to look at your work and say that's not too shabby. Well, yeah. no, I, no, no. I know when it's good. I know. Yeah, that's I mean, great. That's I love that. But no, because it would be being coy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I hear people a little old me. I wrote this. this <laughs> number one. I, you know, you look and say, snap out of it. You know, it, it's a lifetime of experience to write that kind of stuff yeah. and, and you either got it you don't and when we're playing the clips John is moving and grooving even if he's not singing he's moving and grooving yeah. well it affects me we're yeah. not. We're not going to. We're only not singing along because we are going to ruin it if we start. <laughs> no, we're going to ruin it. We sing along. We want to hear you. It's the whole point. You know, it's like you know, I ain't missing you at all. It's the guy version. You yeah. know. Uh, another great thing about John on your records, great players on these records. Always. I mean, you had Gary Myrick. Yeah, you he's have, great. Uh, um, oh, who's we the got guy? Kerry Kelly at the moment. Yes, you do. Yes, and he's great. Um, but I'm trying to think. Uh, Sean Tony Neil Sean. Neil, Sh Neil Schoen from uh, yeah from Bad English. How did that come about? How does that? Because um, Bad English is uh, three parts yeah. of the second phase of the babies yeah. with uh, Ricky Phillips and John Kane. Yeah, who John Kane was also in Journey, mm -hmm. yeah. and Neil Sean was in Journey, yeah. and then Dean Castronova is the drummer. He's in Journey now, yeah. <laughs> but then he was just kind of with Neil all the time. So how does uh, did you and John I, Kane just start writing no, songs? No, 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 no. We found it difficult. Uh, to tell the truth, it was like if there's a third person involved, we mm -hmm. could write. But me and John, we we come from completely different worlds. And once was a third person in the room, we could write a song. We wrote "Forget Me Not" like that, yeah, and "Ghost in Your Heart," which are strong songs. But let's just left to our own devices. I think it was like we. <laughs> kind of been around the block in the, ba <laughs> in the babies, you know. Right. We needed third person to kickstart things. So that was Neil Sean. No, it was somebody like you would, would get like Mark Spiro. Uh, he'd have he'd have this like keyboard line of bang, ding, 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 and I, you know, you and it turned out it's that Anne Rice thing about like mm -hmm. uh, the vampire thing. Forget me not. Which is a really raging guitar. I well, mean, let's hear it. Well, let's play that instead of something as dumb as when I see you smile because yes. that's really what the we'll talk about, about it, but we won't play it. Okay. We'll talk about it, but let's hear Forget Me Not. Thank you. 
That's a big drum sound on that album. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, the Dean is a tremendous drummer. Yeah. Uh, I saw that's you. As good as, that's as good as we got. That yes. Was, that was really. That's pretty great. That's, that's Neil at his absolute most raging. Yeah, Neil likes to uh, he likes to solo and rage. Yeah. <laughs> he's a he's a so whenever I see guy. and whenever mm-hmm. I see these um, whenever I see these um, lists of great guitarists and I see people that I feel should be there. Sometimes he's not there, and I mm. think he should be. Um, Amazing hair too. Yeah, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you have to have it. Yeah, uh, forget me not. Um, uh, I just forgot what I was going to say. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> but, I think it's uh, on Neil Jones. Jones no, no, I forget. Uh, oh, I know. I Sounds saw you. Like. I saw you. Uh, I saw you uh, twice on uh, on the when you guys were touring with the first Bad English album and uh, uh, a girlfriend. Not a girl. A, she was a friend girl, not a girlfriend. Here we um, go. Doesn't matter. No, I know. <laughs> it's, just and, the, it's the end of the show. <laughs> we went. We, we went, uh, we went <laughs> well, Your Honor. <laughs> we saw you in a theater in Chicago, and she liked the Bad English album, but she liked all the the ballads. Yeah, and uh, I liked everything, but then. You guys, you guys didn't really play the deep ballad cuts on there. You guys came out and you rocked the whole think, entire I time. Think, you know, uh, you know, when I see Smile, it was number one. Right. I shouldn't, I, and I was guilty of that. The A and R guy had left us alone. Uh-huh. He'd respected the fact that we were like kind of fiery guys, and mm-hmm. he would put us in a room, and you better just like go and make the coffee. Yeah, he's a very nice guy, but he had this one song he'd found called "When I See You Smile." At the end of the record, I thought, God, man, you know, we we owe it to him to just try it, yeah. you know. And it was my mistake. <laughs> and you know, bad English is now remembered for "When I See You Smile" instead of "Forget Me Not." Yeah, which is, it's it's entire. I take the entire blame for it. And that was written by Diane Warren. It was nice woman, yeah. and uh, old friend of mine. And you guys, uh, it's and funny. I should be taking out beans to death with a tire. It's not like "Forget Me Not" is forgotten. It's you know, you know yeah, but nice. you, you know, you never hear it on the radio. But that is that is a piece of work. Yeah, all yeah, jams. And the sure. uh, and then uh, when I see you smile, goes to number one, and then it gets it gets succeeded by another Diane Warren song, "Blame It on the Rain." <laughs> By Millie, Millie Vanilli. Vanilli. <laughs> John is banging his head on the table, literally banging his head on the table. You see, yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. Well, it's funny because the, uh, the 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 ballads that you guys wrote were great. Price well, of was, Love, Price of Love was top ten, and yeah, and Possession we didn't is need, great. We didn't need when I see you smile. You, you didn't need it. I fucked up. And the last time I saw you, you didn't even really sing it. You had the crowd sing the whole entire thing. <laughs> yeah, I think. If, if, no, I won't play it. I mean, if I'm ever going to play, I just come out at the end of the show and I said, "You want to sing a song?" with me and then they say yeah and I say well I listen to this and I start singing yeah. and by the end of the song everybody's on their feet singing right. it and it seems like a respectful way of doing the yeah. song nice. but um, you gave them what they wanted without compromising well, no, it's, it's actually more it's more intimate you know, well, that's true because yeah. it's a lovely melody to sing. Uh, yeah, I love that when, in a concert when everyone gets to sing. It's very yeah. I mean, it, yeah. before you go, you say, you know, I hope you all get home safe. God bless America and God bless you. And then just go into it. Well, then we come back out and we do a whole lot of love nice. by, by Led Zeppelin. Nice. But what I'm so saying, we really give them something to think about. You know? <laughs> but like, if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't play, people might leave and, and yeah. be like, oh, no, oh, no. Oh, I mean, you'd be surprised. We were once in Belgium in this tiny club doing a European tour, and yeah. we forgot to play "Missing You," and we ran off stage, and the place. Is packed and the swimming for the chandeliers. <laughs> we ran off stage and we're like downstairs and, and it's sweaty and it's like I've got a beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other. And the drummer leans over and says, Hey, we didn't play Miss <laughs> And then and then I said, Hey, we didn't play Isn't It Time either. And <laughs> and we had to run up and the encore was missing you isn't Isn't It Time. Nice. Oh nice. And the place just about you know, the roof came off. <laughs> <laughs> Belgium but, but people there's so much of it. 
you know, somebody was all pissed off the other day on the internet and said, you didn't play on a live album. <laughs> you know, because there's a lot of songs that are not hits that are just played well, you, great. You can't release a 30-song live album. you got to pick and choose no, your set we, list. Well, you know, I mean, I, I chose a lot from Rough and Tumble. Yeah. But I didn't want it to be one of those cheesy things where it's just live album. And, and as soon as you play a hit, the, you turn the audience up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is a real band. I mean, I'd like you to play some of it. I right. mean, just have the heart to play <laughs> any of it, really. I mean, but it's... It's, just, it's such a good record, you know. Give me, give me the thing. We're gonna play some. Uh, John wants us to. Play. We're gonna do what he says. <laughs> oh my god! And uh, I think we have we have one to give away too, right? The, uh, yeah, we have got one here. Right? Yeah, well, we got two then. <laughs> we got two. All right. If you'd have said, I'd, I'd have brought more. <laughs> <laughs> nice live all access. John, wait. Let's. Uh, do you have? A, do you want um, uh, your choice? Evil, evil. Uh, this is co-written by Kyle Cook Kyle from Matchbox Twenty. From Matchbox Twenty. And here we go. Then we're going to talk about you playing with uh, Ringo. Ah! Huh? Yeah, there's that guy Kelly on that crunchy guitars. So, you know who looks evil to me is your bass player, Tim Hogan. He's evil oh, he up looks, there. He looks like one of the Ramones. Yeah, the hair's the black yeah. hair straight down, and he holds the bass kind of Nicest guy up. in the world, but he looks like he's mm-hmm. just about, you know. I know. He's a big guy. Yeah. I take him everywhere. He doesn't crack <laughs> a smile on stage. Oh, he does occasionally. Little, I make him maybe smile. for you. <laughs> well, if I walk off and turn his amp off, he, <laughs> he smiles. But it's only for a split second. That's, yeah. And then the boot goes in, you know. Uh, let's play. I'll play something else on that. Do you want to hear uh, Saturday Night or Mr. Wonderful, or do you want to hear uh, Better Off Gone? Ooh. Saturday Night's complete rock and roll. Okay, let's do that. A Better Off Gone is a great song. Well, it's up to you. Oh, better off going. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Yeah. A paper cup half 
such great details in there, like a mystery novelist or something. I know. Do you know, I was going to get married when I, when I wrote that song, and, and the guy, uh, he said, if you, if you let me be the best man, I'll give you my Lincoln Continental. Ooh. And he had this white Lincoln Continental. <laughs> so I was engaged, and I was going to get married again. And um, it blew up. But I almost got a free Lincoln oh, Continental. Man. <laughs> Jeez. As well as a new wife. <laughs> it might have been worth it to get that car. Yeah. <laughs> it, it had a blue interior. Wow. You, yes. think you think he would have really given it to you? Yeah. And oh, what if you had gotten divorced? Then you have to give it back? Or no, I, no I, way. I'd no way. Instead, by then. Okay. <laughs> no way. Uh, change the plates and the whole right, thing. Right. Spread it, you know. Yeah. Uh, 2003, you get a call. Uh, I don't know if Ringo calls you directly. But he did. You, you, you go out on one of these Ringo uh uh, bonanzas where he brings in a uh, bunch of people. Yep. They play you play all the Ringo songs. You play a couple of your hits. Yep. Everyone takes the center stage for a while. Yeah, uh, you strap the bass back on for I this did. tour. Yeah, was that the hardest part? Or did you always play bass? <laughs> no, I, I played bass on In Dreams in the, and odd things like the well, odd things. I'd given it up. I've got this Sumatus bass that's worth about eighty grand, uh-huh. that, wow. and I still in my living room. I'm trying to sell it now because I don't play it. If I get so, remarried, will you give me that bass? No. <laughs> no? Damn it. Damn it. That, the, just the straight skinny on that. No. Because, I mean, I would have to get divorced no. and then remarried. Absolutely no, no. Not at all. Damn it. Uh, yeah. So what was, it, what was the question? Oh, the question oh, was... Oh, playing bass. Yeah. And it was nerve-wracking. Me and, me and Colin Hay, the first, the first two days of rehearsal, mm-hmm. we, were, we, were, we were both on the wagon at the time, and we were walking out of the rehearsal room in... in uh, we are in Toronto... And he turned to me and he said, this would be a good time to start drinking again. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, the first day of rehearsals, you're playing like you've got four thumbs, you know. It's like, what am I doing here? And I had Sheila E's on drums and uh, Paul Carrick. Yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. What a brilliant player. And he was the best of us, really. He could really play. Wow. And, you know, very nice chap. But, you know, Ringo... Management wanted to film the opening night, the opening two nights, yeah. <clears throat> at, at uh, the Rama Casino outside of Toronto, and um, so we had like ten days rehearsal with me looking at Ringo like he's played with Jack Bruce, he's played with Paul McCartney. <laughs> Somebody called Paul McCartney. I, I have heard that name somewhere before. <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking at the bass and I'm, I'm going like, well, <laughs> it, what does it do? <laughs> and, uh, and, and they filmed the opening night. Oh. There's, there's a, there's a, he comes out, you can see it on the DVD, to It Don't Come Easy. He goes, one, two, three, day, it don't come easy. And he walks out behind me and I, and I swear to God, as he's walking out behind me, the, the, the curtains part, opening night, the filming it, with these guys in, on, like, you know, in the, you know, on right. cranes. You know, it's like six camera operations, there's parking lot full of trucks, the whole thing. And I'm going, like, Jesus Christ. And I look down at the base, and it's like, it's this block of wood, and it's got these silver things on it, and I've got these two mitts. <laughs> It's like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. You know, I'm like so nervous, you know. And it don't come easy. It's fucking right. Easy, you know? Just like riding a bike. In oh, yeah, but it wasn't. And then he walks out. You can see it, on, you can see it as he walks out. And he goes, all right, John. He smashed me, and he smashed me on the back. And I, and I turn around with a shit-eating grin. Like, yeah, yeah, 
man. It was like, oh no, it's like you know, I can't swim. You know, it's like it's. But it, but after about ten seconds, mm-hmm. and the hyperventilating slowing mm-hmm. down, we got through a particularly good show. So, but wow, filming the opening <laughs> night—that was that cruel. is unheard. I would that's assume cruel. that's unheard of. I don't know myself. No, the, this, the, the the unions are cheaper. It's cheaper to film things in that. Canada. In Canada. Oh, so wow. they seized the opportunity. <laughs> Ringo's manager was taking care of business. When, uh, how long does it take you to say yes when you get that phone call? Is it, I mean, like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just, yep. Yep, done. <laughs> I was offered a, an acting role on Broadway. I was going to, I was going to, I'd done some acting in the past and I thought, well, I haven't done acting properly yet. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, they offered me a certain amount of money to go and act on Broadway. And I thought, well, this is it. You know, it's going to either make a fool of you, or it's going to make your career. You're going to do something really clever, and then I almost the same day got the offer for Ringo, and without thinking about it, I just said Ringo because mm-hmm. yeah. it is the Beatles, and, yes. and you know, it's like it's beyond. I can't even put into words what that meant to me as a kid. And um, one day I was in the bathtub. It was about nine o'clock. Not with Ringo. No. <laughs> okay. That came later. Okay. <laughs> Communal baths. That was in the contract. <laughs> Bring your own poodle. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and the phone rang, and, I th- and it says, Hey, John, are you there? And mm-hmm. I, I, was, I thought, Who do I know that sounds like that? You know, <laughs> and it's like, I'm in the bathtub, and, he's, and, and I thought, Oh, Christ. You know, it's Ringo. <laughs> so I jump out of the bathroom, and I'm just... You know, wet finish. I pick up the phone. And it's like, you know, how are you doing? You know, and he's the nicest guy in the world. But there I was, stark naked, covered in soap, talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> it was like typical kind of wild things that happen in your life. Right. You nice. know, but, and you wait, you wait a lifetime to speak to somebody. <laughs> And you want to go in bubbles. <laughs> so it was the same not way. Not how you pictured oh, it. Thank yeah. God I am not covered in bubbles right no, now. No, I'm talking no, with John. Yet! Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we, we have a, a similar contract. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do, do you have a, a theater background? Do you, have you done some? No, I did, uh-huh. I did some acting in a thing called Paper Dolls, which was like a, a nationwide uh, soap that came out at night that was mm-hmm. on one of the big networks. Yeah, ABC. It was on ABC. Oh, nice. yeah. But I, but I, you know, I've, as I've got older, I've started to read some plays, and I, uh-huh. and I, I've always loved film. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of uh, independent film and uh, uh, Kurosawa and sure. Lean and all the great filmmakers. I mean, The Archers. You know, there's like a, there's a movie called The Red Shoes that came out in 1949. That's like a liquid piece of absolute high art. Wow. <laughs> but I mean, you have to see it. Yeah. But it's. I mean, I love film as much as maybe I love music. Yeah, you're I, just, a, you're just an, an, an engaged guy. It seems like you. Uh... Well, yeah, I'm lucky. You mm-hmm. know, it, it seems like these uh, like uh, these English gentlemen yes. are Renaissance. I was engaged. <laughs> <laughs> I was engaged actually, and, and there was a, a, was a, a Lincoln Continental <laughs> involved in this <laughs> deal. I'll never see it again. You know, uh-huh. its, it's license plate was Caddyshack. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, that would have had to change. Yeah, yeah that was coming the right first off. thing that goes. Yeah, you you're going to add shag two, one. two to the end of it. Shag one. <laughs> shag one. I forget who had the quote, but it's, uh, if you want to be interesting, be interested. And it seems like you're someone who's interested in just everything. Well, uh, you know, life is whatever life is. Yeah. Uh, it's a fascinating deal, and there is no alternative. Nope. Uh, and, you know, on a personal note, I lost my dad about four years ago. And that made, really made, thank you, but it really made me, look at religion and look at what I really felt about Buddhism and what I really felt about Christianity and what I really felt about 
the Quran or Jainism or any kind of religion and what is actually happening in nature <laughs> and I haven't got a clue. <laughs> and once you lose somebody that's very close to you and you start questioning where they are in the, in the scheme of things and where you're going to... I mean, somebody once said the big question is where do we come from, what we're doing here and where we're going. Mm -hmm. And it drives a lot of what I write about, really, because it's so indescribable. Bob Dylan said you can, you can get the, the closest to describing the meaning of life. Of all the different things you can take part in to try, the three-minute song hmm. is your best shot. You can, get, you can get close to it with the song. I can see that, yeah. It's marvelous yeah. stuff, but I, yes, I am interested. I bet, this, uh, I bet spirituality, I bet that's something that Ringo probably enjoys talking about. He seems like a very... Well, he says peace and love. All there you the go, time. peace and so, love. Well, he says it all the time. But yes, he does. Like trying to, you know, kick in the balls at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, John, what? Peace and love, man. Whack! <laughs> um, I wanna, you worked with... Um, Who? Uh, Who you, you worked with Don Henley? Uh, he, Don Henley sang uh, sang back upon if if you, uh, if anybody had, had a heart, heart from yeah. the About Last Night soundtrack just down uh, the street actually he's also credited uh, as producer was he producing that or did he yeah. just he was mm. was that uh, that's a great tune that's uh, J D Souther yeah and Danny Korchmar yeah it was and, interesting uh, uh, it was in the um, About Last Night soundtrack right at the end when they uh, I think when he runs across the baseball the softball field Chicago, to, yeah. to go get her huh? Demi uh, yeah do you uh, can we hear a little bit of that yeah I need that thing. Oh. <laughs> you stole my rig, man. Sorry, man. Here we go. Well, I don't know how. Now, that's what you call 80s drums. <laughs> that's definitely 80s drums. I wouldn't have done this if I'd have been producing. No. I would have had a drummer. You wouldn't think I'd have had Ringo. Yeah, you wouldn't think the J.D. Souther song would have that drum on it. Who knew? I know. I blame Don Henley. He should have played drums. Why did he play drums? Don't worry, we'll play another song from All Access. <laughs> Don't worry. I just um, there's one. I, I want to talk about the uh, the original song on Downtown Journey of the Heart, the one you wrote with Glenn Burtnick, yeah. St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, because this is a perfect example of what I talked about earlier about the uh, the picture that's painted here. I see these two people in the doorway, like like that. Do you know, I I, I was on a. F Plan coming back from. Fiji. I thought you were going to correct me. You're pointing. No, no, no. Listen, I, I really am. In fact, it's a good point. There was a picture of 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 the St. Patrick's Day parade on the front of the New York Times. Okay. And this girl had run up to, I think it was a fireman. Uh, they were Irish, young, good-looking Irish, fit guys. Sure. You know, they were like they were firemen, and I think it was post 9/11. Okay. Everybody's very emotional about New York City. And this girl had run up out of the crowd and was throwing her arms around this young man. And he was smiling and he was proud. And she was really pretty. And, and it really moved me, this shot. I just, it, it just, you know, I, the Irish, you know, I got Irish in me, but the New York City thing was, I'd lived there for 18 years. Yeah. And it just, everybody was just on the edge of the sea after that. And I went to Glenn and I said, I've just seen this photograph about St. Patrick's Day and this girl hugging this guy in the parade and the Irish and the guy behind him is smiling 
just he isn't smiling with his teeth shut. It's just proud, mm -hmm. you know, and it's the pride of the Irish, and it's their day. And we wrote this song about a couple. There's a lovely bit at the end. It says, Jesus Christ, Mary, eyes are green. And it, every time I hear that, I think that's one of the best things I ever sang. Well, I, uh, I picked uh, to drop it in at three minutes, so let's see what happens with this. Two spirits fly away On St. Patrick's Day Well, we're here. Today In the doorway where they stand her sunglasses fall away He sees her now His skin as white as cream Oh And her red hair tumbles down As she looks up at the sky He says Jesus Christ Mary Your eyes are green And all he sees Is blazing light and Romeo meets Juliet tonight And Blue Cross ringing bells Banners waving, shamrocks flying The parade passes by Raise your hands Beckett Yates and Bobby Sands Bobby Sands in a state of grace On St. Patrick's Day Top that, you two. Yeah. I just, um, yeah, that was, um, that was, uh, it wasn't hard for me to pick a spot to play that song because the first time I heard it, I was like, yeah, but Becky Yates and Bobby Sands, you know, Bobby Sands was in the IRA and died in the hunger strike. So it's like, you know, the Irish Trinity, yeah. You and that, you, that just killed me. You and Glenn Burtnick write yeah. very, very well together. We had a, we had a trilogy. We had uh, there's downtown, there's New York City Girl, mm -hmm. and there's St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, and we tried writing again about six months ago, and we missed. Mm. It came over to my apartment, and um, we missed it. But we had this period where he completely got what I was yeah. and where I was going. And I'd just jump out of my seat and sing something, and then he'd just play a chord, and I'd jump back out and sing something. Sorry for grabbing you there, but I was so, I I was so was emotional. Okay <laughs> that made me emotional. I mean, that was, that, that was I forget sometimes. Yeah, that, that, uh, that song. That New York thing about, you know, mm -hmm. the, the city had taken such a body blow, you know, yeah. and we were just furious. But yeah. at the same time, it was the dignity of the greatest city in the world was at stake, and... Well, I had to I had to play that song today because I want people to I want people to go find that song. I want them to know about that song. So we got to we uh, that's what the show's about uh, introducing people. I'm gonna get a pint of Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you on the wagon or off the wagon um, right now? Right now I'm off the wagon. <laughs> After that, yeah. <laughs> what five minutes ago? <laughs> I'll tell you what. Let's uh, let's play one more song off of All Access. Yeah. And uh, this was more than a pleasure for me. You're one well, of my top I, yeah, singers. I just want to say it's been such a pleasure that you played such great songs. Well, I, that's that's what we try to do. Gary brings in song. We, I mean, it's easy to play. Again, it's easy to play Missing You and When I See You Smile. And you have to do that when you're talking to John Waite. But what I want to do and what Gary wants to do when he brings people in here also, we want to expand that so that people know these yeah. people aren't just Well, they made it worth coming. I mean, I... I, I 
It's something, honestly, it, Missing You was so big, it stopped my career. Mm -hmm. And even the baby <laughs> stuff behind it, everything stopped. Yeah. And I had to sort of, and it was good too, because then I had to start again as a different sort of artist. Mm -hmm. And after a couple of years, I made Temple Bar. And that's when it really started for me, which is fairly late in life. Yeah. But I, I became everything I, I became better. Because of Temple Bar. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely other music after Missing You up to Temple yeah, I'm Bar. I'm still but feeling St. Patrick's Day. I'm still I'm very emotional. <laughs> well, thanks for the amazing body yes. of work. Thanks for coming yeah. in today. Pat, If uh, will you post details on the Facebook page about how people could get their myths on this, about how they can win, and, win a um, copy of uh, Live All Access? And uh, You can get this on iTunes. I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. This, is, uh, this is the only release I've ever put out that's just on iTunes. If you <laughs> want to get a copy of this, <laughs> you can send $10 to johnwaitthesinger.com. It's out of Holland. Okay. And you'll get a signed copy back in the mail. Nice. Uh, or you can come to the shows and buy a signed copy for $10. Excellent. Uh, or you just go go to iTunes. And there's no CD shops anymore. And I Not just thought really. I'd give Not it really. a whirl. Yeah. I just thought I'd give it a whirl, put it out there, and just see what would happen with this one. Usually they're out on a... I license my stuff to much bigger labels. Yeah. But this time around, this is John Waite Enterprises. Nice. So we'll see if it works. And um, uh, tour dates on uh, johnwaitthesinger.com, too? Yeah, well, well you know, like I said about doing Rough and Tumble, last yeah. year, we, the year before, we, it, playing all those small clubs yeah. cost nearly half a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I got called in to see my account, and he said, John... <laughs> You made half a million dollars. And I went, oh, that's great. I said, John? He says, yeah. You owe me a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you're going to be paying $480,000 in tax. Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. It was wrong. Quality problems. Yeah. No, but that's why we got to number one. We played everywhere. But we couldn't do it again. It, it just bust me. Nice. Oh, boy. Well, we have two copies that you can win. I'll, uh, the day after this uh, episode posts on uh, on iTunes and on Libsyn, uh, check your Twitter feed, and I will work up some type yes. of a John Waite question for you to answer. And uh, and that's how you'll win uh, an autographed copy of Live All Access. And we're going to play out. This is from John Waite's Live All Access. This is Saturday Night. Saturday Night.